Hey there, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast. For the week of September 6, 2010, I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, the healthcare agency, putting on the show. Jackie Rotaco, account <laughs> coordinator at Interval. Joined by... <laughs> and Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. Hi, guys. Jump the gun. Hi. No, that's okay. I gave you the verbal... I tossed the verbal eyeball. The verbal <laughs> eyeball. I tossed my eyeball in a general direction. So, Labor Day. How was your Labor Day? When was that? In the future. <laughs> oh, that's right. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> It'll be great. This comes out on Labor Day. Or It'll the day after. The day after. after oh, that's right. Yeah. We get a day off. I know. Oot. And then we're off to Schmid. Shushmidi? Shushmid. So, Shmid. <laughs> that should and be fun. We're going to try to do our podcast I'm from there. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Right? So here's what we should do. We should do an open cattle call. First three people listening to our podcast that are going to Shushman to contact us will be our guests, our live guests. Uh, and if we get no one? Then we will be the first three. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, or if we get no one. That's an optimistic way to look at it. Yeah, Jack, you'll have to set up an extra phone line is what I think to handle all the calls. I think so, too. (laughs) If we get no one. What kind of attitude is that? I don't know. Maybe it's my tood for the day. It's not a good tood. Nice tood. You need some some coffee. I'm going to need to open up a phone line for all the requests we're going to be We do. I think we do. Speaking (laughs) of phone line, our first topic (laughs) is mobile. We don't talk a lot about mobile. We did... Months Every ago. once in a while. But this mobile up. phenomenon. Phenomenon. Quote unquote check in. <laughs> check in. I know I know that it's a big deal and I'm probably behind the times when I read articles simultaneously in time and business week on any topic like this. And that was the case two days ago. Where Time had a story about Foursquare. Uh it was a little more of a cultural take, and Business Week had a story about Foursquare and all the other uh, kind of mobile check-in apps, oh, yeah. programs, software, whatever, uh, and how businesses are uh, starting to really take advantage of them. So there's a number of things we can talk about, but uh, I think it's worth to just, let's just step back and ask, let's use Foursquare. We assume people know what Foursquare is, or should we explain it? I'd explain a little bit. Uh, we, we could, but okay. I assume anybody who's listening to a podcast is probably savvy enough to know what the heck uh, savvy. these social media savvy. savvy. Well, I just found out what it was not too long ago. Yeah. It, basically, in a nutshell, you know what it is, Adam, so I'm going to describe it and you say whether I'm right. It's software that you register with, and then wherever you go, anywhere that is a Foursquare participant. So we're talking about retailers primarily, but not just retailers. You will check in at that place. Let me, let right. me. What? Let just, me finish. Well, I, well, I, I, that, you, <laughs> tooth, tooth. Uh, uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead to finish. But there's a couple of things that are a little off. With okay. Go ahead. So, so there's kind of two components to it. <laughs> the first is you get incentives for checking in from the retailers. So, a lot of times, oh, you know, if you I check in there enough times, they will send you coupons or discounts. I believe that's the case. And the second is you, you don't have to do this, but mo- I mean, the majority of people do it for this reason. You publicize, you know, I'm at Starbucks or I'm at Chris's Tea Hut. And if you're there, 
the most times in a certain given period, then you become the mayor of Chris's tea hut, which is what you might get more. If you become the mayor, you might get more incentives from that retailer. Okay. Right. So, so there's a couple of components to it. Now, Adam, go ahead, correct away or add, implement, <clears throat> enhance. Okay. Well, it's just, I mean, you're, you're pretty much right on. The, the main points would be that the, the incentives component of it is pretty new, actually. Okay. The, these, these, these have been around. I didn't know um, about that. Uh, I mean, the, the original incentives were the achievements that you get. One is being a mayor uh, on Foursquare. Um, you earn other little badges for things you do, too. Like your first check-in, you get a badge for that. Um, very similar to, I think we uh, mentioned earlier off the show, that gaming platforms mm-hmm. had uh, we'll one of the first it. to really we'll talk yeah, about today too. To do that. Um, the other thing is that it's not necessarily, uh, kind of like Twitter. Twitter is a website. I mean, it's a web tool. And then it has an API that allows for like mobile applications to work with it. It's, it's pretty much the same as Foursquare. Foursquare. So it's not necessarily software in and of itself. It's a website, web application. Thank you. Um, which has an API to allow third, third-party what applications. What does API mean, by the way? Uh, something program interface. I can't remember exactly what it stands for. And what does for. that mean? It basically means if, if a website or a web tool of some sort has an API, it means that they are open to third parties creating... Uh, applications to work with it or allowing third parties to integrate it into their application. Okay. It basically, it, it means they've created something and they have allowed tunnels into it for you to integrate yourself okay. into it. So, so for example, I use TweetDeck right. for my Twitter yep. software. And TweetDeck has API setting. So I can adjust the API, which I don't understand what that means, but I took it to mean like, it is like a channel of information, and I can adjust which of the bits of information that come through maybe are checked more often or updated more frequently. If there's, a, if there's pressure on that information stream, some will come through. Like I could put mentions higher, or I could put uh, right. direct messages higher. I think that's how it works, right? Yeah. Well, the, a- the API itself is basically a pipeline of data that, that gets shot from, from, in this case, Twitter, Twitter says, I'm going to send you all this information to um, TweetDeck in this case, and then TweetDeck is allowed to do what it wants to with, with, that, with that data. Um, you'll probably see some restrictions. On, like if Twitter is a great example because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a website that's down just as, about as much as it's up, it's down. Right. The whole fail whale um, concept. Um, <clears throat> But it, it's a good example also of, of a tool that typically in those cases, you know, it's, it's going to devote more resources to itself than to the data that's going out to the API. Um, so if you're, a, if you're a user of the, web, of the Twitter website, you might see a little more reliability, a little more stability than if you're a user of a third-party application, right. such as Tweety. Well, Tweety doesn't exist anymore. I think it's actually become the official Twitter application now, um, or TweetDeck or HootSuite or any of those. Apps. Twitster, Twitster, Twitty Echo baby. Phone, I think is another one. There's, there's so many. Tweet. You knob. could go go to the Apple App Store and they're literally Twitter a fritter. couple dozen Twitter fritter. If that yep. doesn't exist, we should create it. Yo the tweets. <laughs> Yoda tweets. Yo the tweets. If Yoda tweets, I'm following him. All right, you've lost me. I know. <laughs> and thanks for joining us for Geek Speak. We'll at, be back next week with at Yoda. CPU configurations. No, you're that, talking about four. I just didn't understand any of that myself. So now, but right. you know, it's interesting because I don't think of Twitter as a website. I mean, I don't ever interact with 
actual Twitter. Right, right. And a lot right. of people don't. A lot right. of people, their first interaction is through a third-party app, and they don't ever, you know, totally shapes the way you think of a service such as that. You don't mm-hmm. think of it as a website. You think of it as a, as a service. All right. So now that we know exactly what Foursquare is, mm-hmm. what I, this just is another sign that I'm old, I think. I mean, I, I probably talked this way about Twitter before Twitter, so I'm very open to the fact that someday I may be mayor of Buffalo Wild Wing and Savage. <laughs> but why? I don't understand, other than the incentives. I get the incentives. I don't understand why it's compelling to tell everybody where I'm at or why it's compelling to know where others are at. And, I, you know, there's always the people Agreed. throw, well, you know, if I'm out having lunch and I know you're out having lunch, never happens right you know this is it never happens you, you're at starbucks you get your coffee and you leave it rarely i think people are like actually engaging other people on the street real time because of the software it's more about incentives the gaming incentive almost of i want to be mayor of right right whatever right. and i just don't it has to be yeah. well i i believe I get it. you know i think foursquare was the first to do this and i think that the application was introduced at um, a South by Southwest conference, or the, uh, are you familiar with South by yeah, Southwest? Yeah, SXSW. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. gigantic gathering. I don't even know you could really call it a conference. It's a gathering of people. Um, I believe it's in Texas. Yeah, it changes Austin. Austin, Austin Texas. Um, I think. And I think this is where Foursquare debuted. I could be wrong, but I think it's where it debuted. And then it was all about, you know, the people who were down there checking in at the different events that they were at and their friends being able to see where they were at. And in the context of uh, uh, events such as that, it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's kind of nice to see, especially if you're with a large group and you know you're going to split up to see different things. You know, there's probably some value in being able to see where your friends are at at any given time, depending that. that, you know, that depends on whether or not they checked in at the at the events or not. Um. I don't know. You know, I, I'm I'm on board with you, Chris, in that I don't personally have a strong I have no reason to check to check into places. It's right. just another thing to have to cons- to remember to do. You know, I have a number of people that I follow on Twitter do it, close friends, but even them I don't. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go hop onto Twitter when I'm out and about and try to see where they are. I yeah. mean, we live in the Twin Cities by no means is, a, is the most vast metro area of, in the right. nation. But, but still. if I'm on the east side and my friend checks in on the, on the west side, I'm not going to drive an hour to go see him because he happens to be having a coffee. He's going to be gone by the time I get there. Well, you wouldn't anyways. I mean, that's no way to meet. I mean, that's, that doesn't replace like giving someone a call and being like, hey, do you want to meet up? Right. And well, I don't think that's for, why people do it. No. Well, for me, it would just... The only reason I do it is for incentives with a place that I went to regularly. I didn't really know there was the incentive component. So Well, that's that's I, really is new. That's just started. We'll see, yeah. And so but prior to that it makes no sense to me. I mean, right. Well, I, I, I can see how it could make sense younger college for example where you're on a campus, you've got a large circle sure. of friends, you're all checking, you know, one person right. maybe is at the cafeteria, one's at a restaurant, one's in class. Yeah, I could maybe I could see some value there, but I'm just so far removed from college at this right. point that, and I didn't do it in college, so it, it's hard to relate to. It seems level. like a fun thing to do, but it seems so trivial, and that's why I'm just like, I, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time to check in. I don't think right. you're standing in line already or whatever, so why not? But 
but consider this. Consider some of the the variations of this. So this thing called sticky bits. I Sounds, love the name. Uh... Part of this is this is from an article. We'll give you the link in, in Business Week called "The Retailer's Clever Little Helper." Sticky bits, part of another batch of startups distinct from check-in services like Foursquare and Shopkick, but still pursuing the same goal of overlaying the web onto the physical world. For Sticky Bits and its cohort, the barcode is the crucial ingredient. Users don't just check into a store. They check into a product by scanning a UPC with the camera on their smartphones. Users of Sticky Bits or a competitor like Barcode Hero scan barcodes and compare prices, win prizes, or write reviews. And then later it says how user, like users of Foursquare compete to become the mayor of a bar or coffee shop. Just as barcode heroes users jostle to become the king, queen, or duke of a product category, <laughs> such as the queen of lipstick. Wow. Get this. It, it, uh, Why? I don't know. But well, it's it's a pretty you have to admit, I mean, from the on on the side on Looking at it from the perspective of the people who made this, they're gathering some pretty amazingly useful information to skewed. make product. Skewed. Oh, for sure, skewed, right? but better than no information at all. They, I mean, actually, this article talks about that. It's a great point. It does talk about how online retailers have always had advantage in that realm because people are buying online, you know a lot about them, and the people who walk into Starbucks, you have no clue. Right. Now they're starting to get data on them. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Campbell Soup is offering Sticky Bits users a chance to win a $500 prize by scanning their barcode and posting a photo of one of the company's redesigned soup cans. All right, so again, you've wow. got to be willing to post on your Facebook page, Campbell Soup, you're a shill for the man, for a chance to win $500 out of like a million people who also posted soup cans. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just more conscious of the fact that a, I don't want it advertised where I am twenty four seven or yeah, what I'm doing. Yeah. Should be called. I'm the, just a little more private, maybe. Well, I think but I think you're yeah. exactly you're exactly right. And this is very this is kind of scary on one level. Yeah. We've got a generation yeah. growing up who doesn't who has a a totally different perspective on privacy than right. we do, and. It's it's so interesting that this is happening now when I think we're all we're living in a day and age in which Big Brother seems bigger than ever. Right. And we are all just getting sure. to the point where we're almost can't take it anymore with how we you feel like your your liberties are being robbed of you on so many levels. And and yet we've got this going on where people don't value their privacy they on any level. Give it up. Voluntarily you know, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not crying conspiracy theories here or thinking that doomsday is coming because of this, but it is interesting. So, so, I think so too. I'm going to feed your doomsday paranoia because I just read an article <laughs> about how a, a federal court ruled that police have the right to put a GPS tracker in your car yes, without I saw a this. warrant. I saw this. How Big Brother is that? Yeah, yeah. There's wow, a, that also... That? There's also a number of reports out now about um, uh, local governments and the federal government using satellite photography, Google image, Google World, Google Earth, I mean, and uh, Google Maps to do things like look into your backyard to see if you've got a, a pool and then check records to see if you're licensed to have the certain kind of pool you have or those kind of things. So local governments are are using this technology to 
go and fine people for having things that they shouldn't have in like their, maybe, in their a, yards. maybe if you have a trail or a boat in your driveway and that's against things like that. Code. Well, mm-hmm. with those kinds of things, I mean, the thing, the thing about that is that that's something you potentially could see if you're, you could be a, a government worker, local government worker driving down the street, still cheaper and though. You, you're going to, but you're going to see, you could physically see by driving through a public space. If somebody has something like that parked, like in their driveway, but, but you can't physically see into somebody's backyard from. So now the, the question is, have, what's public domain? What you can see from the street or what you can see from a friggin' satellite? You have, but if you have one person driving around looking at all this stuff, it, it's much cheaper to have them in an office looking at Google it is, satellite but, photos and it, it, for the obvious but, stuff. But the, yeah. the, the, the difference is right, right. how they're seeing it. Right. Something you and can see from being in a public space, like driving down the street, is arguably different than what you can see using a satellite to right. peer into somebody's backyard, which you couldn't see from the street or from in their the neighboring yards. Yeah, and there's been a lot of stories recently about uh, officials warning people, look, you got to be careful with these mobile placement tools, yeah. software, whatever, because people are being idiots and they're, they're saying, you know, I'm the king of my own house, which gives away your location. And then when you say, you know, hey, I just checked into Starbucks in St. Paul and Joe Thief goes, well... You're not at your house. So that's part of what the Time article is about, is you're basically giving a playbook sure. to anybody that wants to take Back advantage where of where you're at. Yeah. Stalkers. Uh, there's all kinds of negative stuff. But So then considered with healthcare, and I have, I have not read these because I just laughed out loud when I saw them, but articles coming through on Twitter about how these kind of things could really be a tool for healthcare. And I just think, A... Who is going to check in at – there was a joke actually on Twitter of somebody I follow who said, um, Foursquare just said I was the mayor of Hazelden. And she was like, oh, well. And she must work there or something, but she's checked in enough times to Hazelden that it said she was the mayor. Now, that was a joke, but why would you ever do that for real? You wouldn't. And uh, I will, I... So, so what's the value to healthcare organizations in that? application i don't i don't consumers wouldn't (laughs) we assume they wouldn't i can see the value and the fun i can i can understand it when it comes to like starbucks or your restaurants that you frequent or if you're at a school and you're checking me but i can understand it right i wouldn't do it but i understand the value of it the the incentive of it and the the appeal of it how it can be fun yep um but i struggle to see how checking in at, I mean, do you really want yeah. to be known as the person who became the mayor of your... PI specialist? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> nice. But you know what? It's just one step removed from stuff I see on Twitter and Facebook as it is. I see posts from people I follow in both places, particularly Facebook. This is extraordinary personal. Extraordinary personal in a medical sense. Now, yeah. if you feel compelled to talk about your medical situation on Facebook... I have no qualms with that. If you know, sometimes it's not things I want to see, but if you feel if you get empowered by it, it helps you. Fine. I see people do it for others. I see them do it for their kids mm-hmm. or their relatives, and I think, do you have the right to talk about your sister's right. open heart surgery right. or your even your own kids? I mean, there are people that have like. I mean, there's a few people I follow that have really strong causes, right. and they're fighting for their kids in that cause. I get that altogether, but when it gets down to something personal that's happened, mm-hmm. um, that's private to me, and I think you need to respect your 
those people's. I mean, I'm, I, even your kids. I think even your kids. I mean, I'm assuming they're not asking permission, mm-hmm. and and that is seems or at least re- off to me. I, mean, yeah. I can understand the mindset of going to face. I want to let my entire family know what's up with my kid and his health issue. Facebook seems like a quick, easy way to do that, but you have to remember that it's not just your, I mean, depending on who you, who's, who your friends right. are, it's not just your family that's seeing it. Right. Caring nice Bridge, if, if I understand it, though it's a separate network, is private. I mean, you control who sees Caring Bridge. It's not just a public post. Right. I th- it, well, like, I think yes, it no? can be. I think it can, if you want Either it to way. be private, it can be. If you want it to be open, it can be. Right. Because Still, there's it's a venue specifically for that. It's like yeah, a, yeah it's, a, it's a blog that allows you to control those settings. Because well, I, I mean, there's a number of, I've seen a number of situations where somebody's linked to a Caring Bridge profile, so you can go learn more mm-hmm, about the person, sure. and you go over there and didn't have to enter any credential or password to get in. Um, but I think you have control over that there. Okay. I would well, be surprised if you didn't. I think it's just one step from that stuff, and you see that stuff already. So, well, we'll see. We'll see. You know, we're going to get into something very similar to this, and um, the whole idea of applications like iPhone apps. And there, there's one on this next topic that I just roll my eyes at, and that is uh, there was an article that came out in Health Leaders Media by Marianne Aiello. Uh, I think it was a blog post, Three Reasons to Market Your ED Wait Times. And so this is a growing trend. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing it more and more. And her, her column talks about why it's a smart thing to do. And she talks about uh, wait times are a competitive differentiator. Um, I think they can be. But I'm not sure that they always are, and they're not for everybody. Mm-hmm. She cites a statistic that just blows my mind. It says the average ED wait time in the U.S. is four hours and seven minutes and is expected to increase, according to Press Ganey's 2010 Emergency Department Pulse Report. Now, that's patient perspectives. So you're, you're at, this is where right. Press Ganey is asking, how long did you wait at the emergency room? <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that's how long they waited, but you know what? Right. Perception is reality, so let's go with it. That's a long time as an average. That means there's uh, as many people waiting one hour as there are waiting seven. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? If I right. know averages right? <laughs> yeah. That's, Sounds all right, yeah. That seems Astronomical. High. That seems high to me, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, but anyway... So that's one reason. Uh, another one is hospitals must improve throughput. So it's kind of like we're going to be transparent about this, which puts more pressure on your internal folks to actually pull through. We, I mm-hmm. think that makes sense. And then the tactic is low cost and high buzz. Uh, she says advertising ED wait times on your hospital website and social media accounts cost nothing. That's complete BS. No, if you already have all that set up, it's just another message. If you have it set up. If you have the technology in place to somehow track your wait times, then it's going to be you're easy right, you're to right, use. Right. We talked about that before. Most people don't have that right. in place. That's a pretty sophisticated system. We talked about this before with another uh, software, and we were like, well, because it, it, the software sounded great, so you've learned that, that the ED staff had to manually enter right. the wait right. time. It was like your receptionist or the, right. the, the front or the health unit coordinator yeah, or whoever. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. person who's already probably feels they're overworked. Don't we all? Um, <laughs> does, just doesn't want one more thing added to their plate, but they're going to get it anyway. Right. And okay. that's not going to... Man, that's scary to think from an organizational perspective, to think that you're hanging your hat on somebody who potentially hates their job anyway and doesn't want one more thing added to their plate. Now you're right. relying on them 
to update the digital display on either and, your and what billboard would they do? or what your would website. Be when they enter the time, are they going to be accurate? <sighs> no, they're going to be CYA. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be two hours, but I don't want to tell people two hours because if it's not two hours, right. who are they going to come after? Right. Maybe they'll be in a half right. hour. So I'm but... going to say three. So there goes your competitive differenti- differentiation. She also says creating a smartphone app through a third party is also a nominal investment. That's true, but again, it's the data that's feeding the smartphone right. app that takes right. it. So this is the part that gets me. You don't have to launch an expensive, dedicated marketing campaign to promote your short wait times. The idea of, and you see this all the time, hospitals launching iPhone apps, smartphone apps for the ED wait times. And I think, who the F is putting an emergency room wait time app on their phone? Well, you hopefully don't have to go that frequently, right? I suppose if you did, then there might be value. But the vast majority of us, yeah, you know, we go to the emergency room once every five years, maybe once every 10 years, whatever. You don't know when you're going. Mm-hmm. And when you do need to go to the emergency room, when I need to go to, if I need to go to the emergency room, let me think of the one example. The one time that I took myself to the emergency room was when I, the first time I had an allergic reaction to something. I had no idea what it was. I wasn't even sure if that's what was happening, but I knew that I was getting really sick really fast. It seemed odd. I figured that's what it must be. I contemplated calling 911 and I'm like, well, it's going to be embarrassing if they show up and this is, I didn't need them to come and now I'm going to have to pay for that. So I hopped in the car and drove myself to the closest hospital. Right, which is what most people would do or had the ambulance take them. Right. The one thing that seems more beneficial is if there was an app that showed me which hospitals closest to me had the Google Maps. Urgent Cares had the lowest wait times. Well, right. well see, bring up Google Maps you know, app, so I could type in pick. emergency room or urgent care, and it's going to drop a pin on every single one. And you're like, oh, closest one, I'm going. Well, right. closest well, I mean, one, but times. not wait times. She's talking about wait times, and that's what you brought up earlier, Adam, well, was that, then you're talking, how many? But then you're talking about a system-wide integrated well, it won't network happen. of of. Of all the hospitals and all the systems working together to, to show there goes your competitive differentiation. Right. Yeah. And you're not going to have five iPhone apps for emergency room. I mean, honest to goodness. Well, and, and, the, and another rant <laughs> no. is, is, is about the creation of apps, period. Everybody seems to be on this kick of creating native apps. You create something that works on the iPhone. You're going to hang your hat on that considering, I mean, yes, it's an extraordinarily popular phone. It's the one the three of us use. It'd be handy for us if we needed it. But you've got a huge audience of BlackBerry users, Android users, and other other phones, Windows Seven devices, uh, mobile. What they, they can't use that app. I mean, why? I my advice to you, if you seriously think you need to create a mobile app, is to stop creating all these native apps and start creating web apps. You create one thing that's going to work on every one of these devices. It's stupid to create a, a for a speci- especially something like this a native mm-hmm. application. It makes. No well, and I don't know sense. if the, if, it, if that was what this was talking about, but but the, but the point was to have an application for smartphones. So whether it's right. native, I don't know what they're. But that's a good point to make. Yeah, you know the one thing that I think uh, I, I'm not necessarily against advertising wait times. Where I think it would be great to have wait times promoted is in the emergency room. Yeah, well, and we've advocated that for a while. Uh, again, for some of the reasons already listed here, but uh, to me the analogy is. Like when I'm driving on 35W and they have the signs that say this long to yeah. these points. And, you know, before you have that and you're in rush hour traffic, part of the frustration is you feel like I could be here forever. You know right. that's not the right. case, but you don't know. And your mind goes to the worst place. Mm-hmm. And then you, But when you see this sign, 
first of all, it's like nine minutes. I'm like, well, geez, nine minutes, that's nothing. I know I can't even see this destination, but it's only nine minutes. Right. But there's research, and we'll post this. I'll do a blog post on this, that talks about just knowing puts people at ease. Yeah. It's the unknown that gives them the stress. Right. Definitely. So yeah. if you're in the emergency room and you're waiting, you still would rather know it's a three-hour wait than not to know because that's what drives you crazy. Did they forget about me? How long is this going to be? Anxiety, I don't know how to yeah. plan. I don't yeah. know what to do. Do I read my book? Do I blah, blah, blah? Three hours. Okay, I know three hours. I can tell mom not to worry to come for a while or I can go get some food or this is clearly not if it's... Majorly emergency. Right, if it's you <laughs> bleeding out the eyeball. But, but it's just knowing reduces stress. Knowing would reduce the number of times people came up to the desk and said, you know, do you know about me? Uh, it's just like being in a restaurant, mm-hmm. right? When you have those little buzzers, you're waiting to get in, right. you feel more confident that that you know, you're going to know. And right. if you don't, you're like, God, did they forget about me? It's been an hour. And well, I was in an ED a few weekends ago. And it was like 11 o'clock on a Saturday night and there was no one else in the waiting room. So you automatically assume you're going to get in right away. Now yeah, it took like yeah. an hour. So I mean, you waited for an hour? Yeah. Jeez. Well, because you don't know who's in there. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure ambulances come and yeah. Those people are already yeah, in And there. aside from waiting, in the, I mean, when I went in from the allergic reaction I had, I actually got in almost immediately. I got there. There were a few people waiting. They might have been family or friends of people right, who right, are in. Right. So I, don't, I don't know. But I got it. I went to the, the triage desk immediately. They had me fill out some paperwork and stuff. A lot of that, you know, I'm I'm going to have a bit of a panic, you know, having an allergic reaction because your throat is literally swelling shut. It's not like you're, you know, if you come in with a broken arm or a broken leg, it's not like your leg or your arm is going to get more broken yeah, while you're, you're there. You're probably in excruciating pain. You probably are. But when <laughs> when, when, you're, when your airway is closing, right. it's a little, probably a little more panic inducing. Um, so to me, it was kind of like, God, just get me, you know, get me back there. Get me, put something in me. That's going to make this stop. No, and they're like, here's this clipboard. Fill yes, out please these forms. Fill us out. But then even once, once I was taken back there, I sat on a bed with curtains around me because it wasn't like ED with private rooms, although I think that one does have them now. And I literally, I was facing the main desk in the central, in the center of the ED where the, they, they, they congregate and talk and, and go off and do their thing. Right. And I'm watching people have conversations right in front of me, literally six feet in front of me, just talking yeah. casually right. while I'm sitting there staring at them with my throat swelling shut. So, I mean, don't, when you talk about wait times, you think about the time that somebody's sitting on that bed staring at your conversing employees while their throat is swelling shut. That was the wait time that had me the most concerned. Mm-hmm. Finally, somebody noticed the panic look on my face because I was sitting there staring at them and she stopped her conversation and came over and started addressing my health needs your needs i was like this. nice well i think it's funny that you reacted that jackie waited an hour like that was atrocious when we just heard a little bit ago the average wait time is four hours well, I, I didn't, but then I didn't when i was, was back in the room i waited you know right. another hour and a half that's the thing too is the article we have an article to post um marianne's article and it talks about one component of this is like these guarantees mm-hmm. and so they'll, they'll say you know i guaranteed 30 minutes or less from door to doctor or, you know, to get you in. And, and I like that. I just think it's misleading. Mm-hmm. Because anybody who's been in emergency room situation, as you guys just described, knows that there are multiple periods of waiting. There's a, there's yeah. a period to get in there. But even once you're in there, 
you could be in right. there for an hour or two yeah, before yeah. people treat you. So yeah. just having the doctor come in and say, hi, I'm, you know, in your case, Adam, hi, I'm Dr. Bevelo, and I see you're in here, and, and I'm going to be looking at your charts, and he pops back out. And then you're sitting there for another two hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily that. make you go, gosh, you know. Yeah, that did happen. What a short once. wait time. Yeah. In college, I had something <laughs> funky happen with my eye where I became super sensitive to light so much that if I open my eye like right oh, yeah. now in this I had room, that too. it's called a eyelid. Did you have contacts? Yes. You slept in them, didn't you? Yes. They clog up your tear ducts, and it's called a. It's got a really bad name, like a tumor. It's not a tumor, but. Not a tumor, <laughs> but it's the same thing. Okay. They clog your eye ducts. No liquid gets in there, and you're like, Argh. Yeah, and if you open your <laughs> eye, like, to the, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like getting kicked in the nuts. I mean, that's, the pain was so horrible. Right. And the problem you is you can't put your contacts in. Yeah. Because it hurts too bad, so you have to wear glasses, but then you can't wear sunglasses right. unless you have blue blockers. And you can't even... <laughs> <laughs> but you literally, if you open your eyes, like, you're on the know, you're in the fetal position on the floor. So I had oh, that okay. happen. I went into the emergency room because I had no idea what it was. Corneal ulcers, probably. I don't know. something like that. But That's I laid on the on the on the table of an, of one of the ED rooms for like for two hours after they had brought me back into the room. So I was out of the waiting room immediately. But I laid on the friggin' table for two hours before the right. doctor came back in. So it depends on what you're advertising. At least sure. they dimmed the light for me, but not at first. They actually left me on the table for like the first half hour with a light shining on me from the ceiling. Like the big bad experiences. light. Like, thank you. Do you not, did you not listen to what my problem was? You want to cause me pain. Either I come in, they, you, they use that little light that they look in your ear. <laughs> Let me open up your look in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Whoa. That reminds me of the uh, Say that is it the glaucoma me. test that you get when you get your eyes yeah. checked, when that, blig, that blue circle comes at your eye. Yeah. That makes me almost pass out every time And then you have your pupils are like the size of dimes. Yeah. So that lets in all the light. That's why you have to like wear their little plastic blue blockers for a while. <laughs> blue blockers. They give, them, give you those little plastic. I always think of the infomercial with the dudes like wrapping the blue blockers song. There's a the new one. There's a new <laughs> version of blue blockers. blockers. I can't remember what it's called. It's hilarious. So the ugliest things ever, and they show is cool. It's like one of those, you know, four to six weeks for delivery type of deal. <laughs> As seen on TV. As seen on TV. All right. Well, that's enough on that's enough rants on mobile and Foursquare and ED. And I think we're at like 34 minutes now. Do we? Yeah. We were going to do a random topic, but. Lord knows where that could go. So. I'm exhausted. I think yeah. that was kind of almost randomness. There was a lot yeah. of randomness. We shared all of our ED good. experiences. We did. I didn't share mine. I got yeah. a couple. I had an earache that was the same bit. I was out in the lobby for like an hour. Excruciating. I remember you talked about you that. You guys are like, boring. No gunshot wounds. And then they, I don't like to talk about my past. <laughs> I, I don't live in Northeast Minneapolis anymore. I <laughs> got out of there. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. So okay. phone lines are open. Give us a call, 612-672-9842, extension 20... 2-0. No. <laughs> Jackie, what's your extension? 208. 208. Or send us an email. Yeah. Send us an email at smartcreative at thinkinterval.com. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be in our podcast, we will block you we'll in We'll hook there. you up. At shishmed. So, for Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Ambassadors, this is Chris Bevelo. Jackie Rotaco. Adam Meyer. See you at Sussman.